0: If you've got your Bibles, I want to talk tonight, this morning about what if the church, what if the church, and as you get ready and are taking notes for those that do that and getting ready to just listen to the word for a few minutes this morning, uh, you know, we did that that day. We, we had church that morning. I preached, we went to the game and we went back to church that night. Isn't that a crazy thing? That was, Isn't that crazy that we went back to church that night after the game? We must be out of our minds, Pastor Chris. There must be something wrong with us. We went back to church that night. And you can actually enjoy a sporting event and still go to church if it's your priority. And so we're in a push right now. If you're visiting this morning, don't mind us. Amen. We're just here to challenge you. I put a challenge out Sunday morning. To, or, or Wednesday night, sorry, to get back into church Amen. and make church a priority again. Amen. And of course, if you're here, you're saying, well, we're here. Amen. You're here. And this is a captive audience for a few minutes, but I'm going to take advantage that you're here this morning and I'm going to preach the word to you and I'm going to challenge you this morning to really, really, really take a look at your walk with God and where you're at in your church walk with the Lord. And so I want to look at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. And uh, I want to. I want to. One thing that was really interesting was I did not know that there was a nat- national Get Back to Church Day. I thought that was interesting. I promise you, I did not know that. And I and I put the date for the 21st of September, and uh, that's the day that it's the national Get Back to Church Day. Isn't that crazy? Dylan sent me something uh, he found on the online, and it is actually a national day. So hey, we're we're ahead of the game. Amen. And so in two weeks from today, we are going to be having that national get back to or didn't uh, city get back to church and join the nation, amen, doing it. And we're trying to get people to call people you haven't seen for a while or call someone that you've been working on to get to church. I know there's some people here this morning visiting and some people that brought some people and, and uh, you're excited that they're here. And I promise you that you're going you're gonna to get a word from God this morning, amen. You're going to get something that's going to change your life. You're in the best place you could possibly be this morning. There's no better place this morning than, than being in church. And I can tell you this morning, that, and I said this Wednesday, and I believe this, this is, there's nothing more important going on today than this church service. Not in the White House, not in the police station. Not in any hospital, nowhere in the world. Is there anything going on more important than this place or any other place that Jesus is being preached this morning and a church of people is congregating together because this is the greatest enterprise in the world, the kingdom of God, amen? And you are in the best place you could possibly be. There is no other place that can offer you what God offers you. There's no other place you can get what you can get from God this morning. And there's no other place that will give it to you for free. Amen. God is a good God. He's a graceful God. And He gives. Amen. He's a giving God. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And one of the reasons that we don't, as you're getting there, come to church sometimes is we don't obviously understand the importance of the church. And so I want you to think about that this morning. And as we're going, first of all, what if the church didn't exist? Let's just start there. I'm going to give you some what ifs. But what if the church... Did not exist. Some people don't understand the importance of it. And some of you this morning might not have gotten saved in a church. You might have gotten saved at an outreach. You might have gotten saved in a one-on-one conversation with somebody. Telling you about the Lord like Dwayne was sharing at work. And somebody prayed with you. Or you might have heard something on the radio or whatever. But you know most likely there's a tie to your salvation and church. The church that exists today is the church that God established back in the book of Acts, amen? And it's that we would come together as a body. You know, sometimes we have excuses. How many know excuses are, are a dime a dozen? And you can think of a lot of reasons to not go to church. You can think of a lot of reasons to stay home. And, and, and we do that for a lot of things. But I think as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a child of God, I believe church should be the absolute most important thing in our lives. And, and so you might say, no, God's first. Well, of course he is, God's first. But how do you show God he's first? You know, I'm, I want to relate this to some things this morning. If I, if I thought to myself that I love my wife, but we never met together and talked about it, or I never gave her flowers, or I never told her, it would just be a thought floating out there in the air. There's a way that I show my wife I love her. I can give her a hug, I can give her a kiss, I can leave her a note, I can give her flowers. There's something I do to show my wife I love her. And so how can we expect to say, well, God knows I love him if we never come to his house? Come on. There's something that God established about the local church that it would be a place that we could gather together. And so some people say, well, you know what? The chairs are just too hard in that church, or sometimes they're just too soft, right? Right? Here's some excuses. I'm just not getting fed. That's always a funny one. Someone made fun of my toes when I was at church. It's full of hypocrites. There's the biggest one right there. And it got fuller of hypocrites when you walked in the door. Amen. There is no perfect church. How many have heard that? Amen. And so don't go there because it won't be perfect no more. Right? We're all hypocrites. We're all imperfect. We all need God. Here's another one. I don't have anything to wear. Well, you can come in your pajamas. As long as you put something on, amen, you can come how you are. We'll take you. I can stay home. There's plenty of preachers on TV. They just want my hard-earned cash. Well, don't worry. We won't get it from you, amen, because you won't give it. God will take care of his house, amen? The preacher preached against Harry Potter. That's one of my favorite books. These are just excuses. They're real ones. I can't come without my spouse. The preacher preaches too long. Don't say amen there. The drums are too loud. Don't say amen there, amen? Our electricity went off. It's too cold or too hot. It's whatever one works better for you during the year. No one checked on me after I missed three weeks in a row. Someone I don't like goes there. Uh-oh. And they're thinking the same thing about you, amen? The preacher yells too much. There's too many old people. Now, here, that, that, that particular one don't work too good in this church, amen? We don't have too many old people. Even our old people are young, my alarm didn't go off. I, I need to mow the lawn. Treat, treat, preached right after me. Some, church did something wrong to me 15 years ago. There's a whole bunch of them. Okay, I'm not going to take any more time. But how many know there's a lot of excuses why we don't come to church? But I want to look at Deuteronomy 11, if you look at it with me, verse 1. And I want to read several verses here. Does anybody still believe that God's word is alive? It's not dead this morning, Amen. And even the Old Testament. Some people think, oh, we're in the New Testament church and we don't need the Old Testament. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Deuteronomy 11 left something for us this morning as a family. Look what it says in verse 1. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments when they are convenient for you. Always. Always. Amen. That's why we look at the Bible. Make sure we're paying attention. If you don't have a Bible, look on with somebody this morning. They'll be willing to share with you. If their breast stinks, hand them a mint. <laughs> Amen. Let me read that again. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge. What does that mean? That means consistency. That means make a commitment. In his statutes, his judgments. And His commandments. So if we say, well, what, what are the commandments that God wants me to keep this morning? I'm going to show you in a minute, but stay with me. So we know this morning from the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy, way before the actual book of Acts church existed, before Jesus came on the scene and became the ultimate sacrifice and atoned for our sins and died on the cross for us, before all that happened, you need to understand that God established that people would come together in a place a local place, and gather together to listen to his words. Okay? Now, some of us struggle sometimes when we come to church because we make it look like school. We think it's school. Here's the thing. This is much bigger and much better and much more important than school because you're not just going to get a grade on this. This is eternity we're talking about. This is something that will save you from a whole lot of grief. First and foremost, what if the church didn't exist? It, it's going to save you from a lot of grief this morning. Amen. And, it's, it, and of course there's bad examples. There's bad examples of everything. If you stopped eating something because it was bad or, or stopped going someplace because something bad happened there or stopped driving something because something bad happened, you'd never go, eat, or drive anything. Right? Things happen. Bad things happen. But God says, I want to build a place of imperfect people and bring them into a place together that they would learn to worship me and praise me together as a family. And as they're together, my iron will sharp iron together. My, my I will rub off on somebody else, and I will teach them, and they will teach me. I'll learn from their mistakes. They'll learn from my mistakes. I'll help them, and they'll help me. And we'll build God's kingdom together that will be a church that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against. Amen? Jesus is alive this morning and so are his words and all he wants us to do is learn what his word says. So he says, know them and keep them and and walk in them always. Now keep going with me. Verse two, "Know, know today, this is important, that I don't speak with your children who have not known and have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God and his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. His signs and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt, to King Pharaoh of Egypt and all his land, what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow as they pursued you, and how the Lord destroyed them to this day, what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to, to Dathan and, and, and Abraham, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth, watch this, opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all of Israel. But your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Now I want to stop for one second there. Wednesday night I was saying that a sad thing has happened. I actually said this last Sunday too in Colorado Springs when I preached about uh, the baggage in our lives i mentioned that this generation the bible says in Joshua, uh, judges two says that this generation it could be very likely like the generation of judges two when that generation rising up did not know god we're in that generation right now someone would say well there's more churches than there's ever been there's more people probably going to church than there's ever been but the question is, is God still moving like God used to move? And do these people in church really know God? Has there been a passing of the baton down to our children? And today, a lot of children in, in growing up in church, if they do, hopefully, thank God, have not witnessed a move of God yet, just like these people here. He's saying, you saw it with your eyes, but your kids have not seen it. What are you going to do with it? What if the church does not pass down to the next generation what was passed to us? Many of you in here this morning, if I could talk to you one-on-one and individually, I would find out most likely a great percentage of you at one time or another in your life were in church. Might have been a grandma taking you. Might have been a friend inviting you. But somebody told you about church, somebody invited you to church, and you went. I talk to people all the time on the basketball court when I'm playing, and I'm witnessing, and I'm sharing my faith, and I'm talking about the Lord. And they'll tell me, I, I grew up in church. I'm not going to church right now because I grew up in church. What happened? Why aren't they going anymore? Why would they stop going? What happened at the church which caused them to not feel like they needed to keep going? One of the biggest reasons is, is people say, well, church is boring. And one of the reasons church is boring is because you don't come for the right reason. Amen. Church isn't about being entertained. Church is about being part of the kingdom of God and seeing lives changed and seeing miracles happen and seeing decisions made and marriages restored and finances come to those that don't have them. Something supernatural. If you'd begin to start believing for miracles, you'd begin to see them. Amen. There's a lot that can happen in the church when we come. And so he's saying here, bear with me, you haven't seen this Or your kids haven't seen this, but you have. Your eyes have seen this. And so now he's saying, this is our responsibility, verse 8. He says, keep every commandment, which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. And watch this. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey meaning blessed and provision and more than enough i was thinking the other day there's there's an awesome promise and and an awesome thing you can do maybe you're here and you say man i don't have it all together and i don't really understand the bible totally and i really don't know how to be a great parent and I really don't know how to, and you got all these things you don't know how to do. Let me give you some help. Come to church, and that'll start off everything right. Just get your family here. Just get your family here. I, I, I was thinking about the other day, my dad's mom just passed away, my grandma, at 92. Her, his dad was 86. Those are long days. We were talking about that. To live to see your parents live to be 86 and 92 is an amazing blessing. Amen. We were raised in church. I can't ever remember not going to church. I can't ever remember it not being a priority priority in our family to go to church. I can't ever remember a time when my dad said, hey, we're not going to go to church Sunday. We're going to go do something else. Church was always a priority. My mom brought us when my dad was working. Church was always something we did. I thank God for that. I thank God I was raised. I had to find out for myself who God was, but there was an established principle in my life that today is being lost in the church world. We don't understand how important church is, and guess what? Here's the truth our kids aren't going to understand it either because we're not being the example that God wants us to be. There's a fact Sunday morning crowd comes because they like the preacher, Sunday night they come back because they love the church. And if they come back on Wednesday night, they love God. Amen. What does that mean? That means that I'm I'm serious about church. Oh, you mean oh, this is one of those you got to come to every service things. No, you get to come to church every service. It's a privilege and an honor to come to church. It's a privilege and an honor to serve God. Let me tell you something. I know some people around the world, not personally, but of all around the world, China, Iraq, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Africa, that would die and give their last arm or last leg or anything they had to get to church three times a week. Amen. But they can't because they don't have the privilege we have. Amen. Love church. Love God. Love the things of God. Want to be around his people. And your days will be long. That's a good enough promise to go home on right there. Let's go down to verse 13. I'm going to push through this for a second. It shall be that if you can earnestly obey my commandments which I commend you today, watch this to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. How many know when God asks us something, he has a promise connected to it. Right? When we say, God, God says, hey, I, I, I want you to just listen to me. And then he says, and if you do, like a good parent, I'm going to bless you. So he says, if you'll obey my commands and listen to what I say and guard them with your heart. He says, verse, verse 14, I'll give you rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, new wine, new oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Not many of us are farmers in here this morning. So he means I'll fill your bank. I'll give you food in your fridge. I'll give you this gas in your car. I'll give you a job that will provide for your family. I'll meet all your needs. I'll take care of what you need. I'll do what you need in your life if you'll just put me first. If I'll be a first fruits God, if you'll put me first, I will take care of everything else in your life. God wants to meet your needs and listen here's the promise when I know that I'm doing right and I'm in church and I'm where I'm supposed to be to some see one of the problems we, we have sometimes is as I'm talking you're going you're the pastor you're supposed to be there right well no one holds a gun to my head to do what I do and if anybody's pastored you'll find out it's not the easiest job in the world and it definitely does not pay what you do for amen but we don't do it for money. We do it for a call. Yeah. And you come to church this morning because you love God. Yeah. And you serve Him because you love Him. Amen? And so we got to get past religiousness. But you know what? Sometimes structure is a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be all right if you just say, you know what? I don't really care what's going to happen in service. I'm not really going to pray that much. I'm, not, I'm just going to try this. If I just tr- start coming to church two or three times a week, let's see what happens. God will honor your religion. Structure is good. What's funny about church, to me, as I was thinking about this, is we have, seem to have to have structure in every area of our life. But when it comes to church, it's just however it comes. Has anybody else noticed that? You can't just wake up one morning and say, I don't feel like going to work today. I got better things to do. You can't just wake up one morning and say, well, I just don't feel like eating today. I'm not going to eat. You can do that for a couple days. Oh, y'all got quiet. Right, I'm just saying, it seems like when it comes to church, and again, you're here, so I'm not not beating you down. I'm trying to get you to keep coming. And keep coming, and keep coming, and keep coming, and make it a lifestyle to be in church. I can tell you right now, my daughters are both here. I'm super proud of my daughters. They're a blessing. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. They love God, and they come to church because they want to. I don't make them come to church. I don't make them play the piano. I don't make them do anything. You know why? Because they've watched us love serving God. They've watched us love serving God. We don't complain about it. We don't, we don't, we don't whine about it. We, we love, love and serve God. And it's never been an option in our house to come or not come to church. Now, you just said, well, you don't make them. Well, I haven't had to. But I would if I did. Because if you're in my house, you're going to church. You come to visit my house, you're going to church. You show up at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and want to drink coffee, we'll drink it after, we're going to church. You come stay in my house, you come to church. And most of you know the story of my brother-in-law. That's how he got saved. He had to come to church. He was an atheist, an agnostic, didn't believe in anything. But he came to church for three weeks in a row. There's a testimony right there. Got saved the last Wednesday before he left. Now he's on fire for God. Because you're going to come to church if you're staying in my house. You can come stay for free. But you're going to church. I'm going to tell you, my daughters could probably count on one hand how many times they've missed church in their entire lives. And it would be for sickness. Y'all follow me? It's a lifestyle. And God has blessed us because we've kept God's commandments. And because church has been important. What if the church didn't exist? This morning, what if persecution grew so strong in the United States that we couldn't come anymore? You would take, we, would t- we take for granted the opportunity to be here this morning. We take for granted the opportunity to be able to be in God's house this morning. So I thought about this this morning. I've got some other verses here I might read in a minute. When was the last time you heard the Ten Commandments? no, that's just not talked about too much anymore. A matter of fact, they're trying to get it out of every government institution and every school in the United States and that was what our nation was founded on. See when you talk about getting back to church to me it's, it's, it goes along with the saying of let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to what works. We're not whatever we're doing in the church world today is not working. And again, some will say, yeah, it is. There's 50,000 people this morning at some church in this country. There's 30,000 in another, there's 10,000 in another, there's 500 in another. The church is, it's working. Well, how come the world's not saved then? Right. How come the church how come the church isn't doing what the church has called it to do? Because we're not doing what God said in His word. We're established as a place, but we're not really being the church. Amen. How many want to be that church this morning? Think about the Ten Commandments for a second. Let me just read a few of them, just in case you don't know them. How many know the Ten Commandments? I'm not going to put you on blast. I guarantee you there's some people, and that's not to make you feel bad, don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. I guarantee you, well, I can't even say that. I hope you've heard of them. But we live in a generation that is being, everything of God is just being squished out and pushed out. One of them says, no other gods before me. Y'all give me a couple minutes here you're here, you might as well get something out of it, right? All right. Can I get personal with you for a minute? You know what a God is? It's not Baal or some other name. It's anything. Say anything. Anything that is number one in your life before God. God says, I don't want any other gods. I'm a jealous God. So that means if church and his house is not a priority in my life, I might have a God issue. Number two, don't make any graven images. We don't have any crosses or or statues or pictures in here because we're not here to worship an image. We're here to worship God in spirit and in truth. We'll just close our eyes and worship the Lord. Amen. Don't make any graven images. Number three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, I haven't this week, someone might say. Number four, keep the Sabbath. That means the Lord's Day. That means honor it. I talked about this Wednesday night. Pastor Chris, back in the day, they'd be in church all day long. They didn't go home. It was church. It meant, it meant something. Back, and here's the thing. We're in a cluttered, fast, microwave world now, so everything has changed. Back in the day, they got up. They got dressed. They get, ate their breakfast. They got in their carriage. They rode the horse to church, and they had church all day long. Sunday was a day for the Lord. Today, if we go to church, now I'm just talking in general. We smack dab uh, push and and prime and work in God for 45 minutes. That's why the mega church is so big. Right. See, if you were at a mega church right now, you'd be home already. You'd be it'd be over. Usher in, usher out. Come in, go out. Got my fix, got my shot. I'm out. That's not what God said in His Word. He said, "Keep the Sabbath." Holy. That means Sunday is important. That means the day of the Lord is important. That means on Sunday we go to church. And us crazy people come back at night. Because it's still daytime. It's still Sunday. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And don't covet. Let me give you a word this morning. When you are in church, you can, you can do all 10 of those commandments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to kill anybody here. You're not, hopefully, you're not going to lie. You're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. If you just make a commitment to be in church, God would help you th- th- three times a week. Ten commandments. Oh, yeah. Amen. Think about it. If you're in the right place, you'll be doing the right thing. What are your priorities? What if the church? Let me, let me let me let me just get down in your in your bedroom for a second, all right? I want you to think about this. How many are still here? How many have checked out? Nobody's checked out yet. All right. This is the part where I really want you to pay attention, and I want you to say, "Hit me." Amen. I like to be hit with the word of God. I, give it to me. I want to hear it. Give it to me straight, because I want to make it. I want to make heaven my home. I don't. I don't know about you. I don't want to slide safe into home. I want to go running in in a dash. There's about three of y'all that agree with me on that one. How many want to go running into heaven and get a reward? You don't want to slide in safe and have St. Peter with the fire extinguishers (laughs) on your behind. You made it. I mean, some of y'all be all right with that, but I'm not. I want to run in. Amen? Now, I want you to stop for a second and think about this quickly. What if the church loved like me? Think about it. If if the church was like me, this is you and me individually now. This is everybody else on your left, right, front, and back is gone. Just like in the judgment play, the spotlight just hit you and hit me. What if the church loved like I loved? What would the church look like? What if the church gave like I give? Would the church exist? What if the church attended like I attend? Ooh, it got quiet in here. I'm not, I'm not. I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I want you to think about this. This is something's real important. What if the church prayed like me? Would we be a praying church? Would we be a giving church? Would the church be full if the church came like I came? attended like I attended? What if the church praised and worshiped like I praise and worship? Would the Spirit of God fall? Would the Spirit of the Lord be in this place? What if the church read the Word of God like I read the Word of God? Would the church be full of God's Word or would the church be starving? Come on, this is some good stuff to think about. What if? What if the church served like I serve? Would the church be clean? Amen. Would the church look nice? Amen. Uh, again, these are things to think about. If something, watch this, I'm going to give you a truth. If something is important to you, you will find a way to make it happen. Okay? Okay. If something is important to you, you will do everything in your availability and power to make it happen. If it's not important to you, you will find every way to make an excuse not to. I say that should never be the case serving God. One of the reasons that we don't take church serious sometimes is because I think we forget what God did for us. I think we don't remember how awesome God is if we sing that song of i'll never know i'll never know what it meant for you to feel my sin on your on your on your shoulder to feel your pain on that cross i'll never know we we get separated we get busy in this world we get we get going so fast and so busy with this world that we lose track of what really really matters i'm going to give me just a couple more minutes to give you some thoughts here okay I want want to really, really make you think this morning for a second. I want you to walk out of here thinking, what if the church was like me? Would it be thriving? Would it be here? Would it exist? Amen? Because, you know, when someone answers the call to be the church in your neighborhood, in a city, we take for granted. You're here this morning because someone invited you or because someone told you about the Lord. Or because someone gave you a track, someone invited you, you're here because of that. And many of you in here this morning have got testimonies that if it wasn't for this building being here, if it wasn't for this church being here, you'd be dead, you'd be divorced, you'd be broke. You say, well, the church did that? Yes, the church did that through Jesus Christ. If the church doesn't exist, God has to have somebody to work through. And it's the local church. It's the people in the church. And your destiny and your salvation and your will of God's life for you is tied to the church. Amen. Tied. Amen. There's a tie to the local assembly, the place that you came in and got saved. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out something at you. How many heard the saying guilty by association? There's people today that have been arrested and sit in prison because they were with somebody who did something wrong, even though they didn't do it themselves. So as you think about guilty by association, I'm gonna prick your minds for a second, and I want to ask you a question. Are you seen coming enough to church to be guilty by association as a Christian? Are you seen doing enough for God to be guilty? by association if you look at the book of acts don't look at it for time but acts 3 1 says peter and john at the ninth hour at the hour of prayer were going into the temple that means that there was an established place and an established time and peter and john did that frequently that means the people around them said hey there they go again going to church there they go again going to pray and then when the miracle happened and they healed that man, the lame man, and he got up and walked, there was also an association of that miracle to them and the fact that they went to church. Right. And so you have to ask yourself, when you begin to think about some people around you, you might have an alcoholic, you know. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you're in here and you're an alcoholic. God can set you free this morning. Amen. You're in the right place. But alcoholics, you know what alcoholics do? They drink. And you know where they drink a lot? At bars. And you know where else they drink? Wherever there's alcohol. (laughs) Think about it. Alcoholics do what alcoholics do. So alcoholics, go; they're seen going in and out of J.R. Pockets. They're seen going in and out of the bar. They're seen. People see them and go, there they go again. There goes the drunk. There goes the alcoholic. They're known for the place they go and the things they Do. A lawyer is known for being in the courtroom. They're known for going in and out. Someone going in and out, there's that lawyer again, he's going to a case, he's going to the courtroom. They're known for what they do. Police officers, teachers, all the different vocations, people do what they do and people are seen at an established time, at an established place and people associate them with what they do. Do you go to church enough to be guilty by association. Do your neighbors see you gone enough to say, man, they must be at church again. Wow, I see they're not there, they're not there, they're not there, they're gone. Do you know? or, Or would you run into a neighbor and have them say, you go to church? The day you invite them, they say, oh, you go to church? I didn't know. I want my neighbors around me to know I go to church. And it's important to our family, amen? You still here? Watch this. If you were as faithful and committed to church, watch this, if you were as faithful and committed to church as you were your marriage, what would your marriage look like? Oh. I'm not being mean, church. I'm trying to get you to think. What would your marriage look like if the relation between your attendance to church and, and your, your commitment to church was the same? If you had the same, how many people are in school here? You elementary, junior high, high school, college. Okay, we've got quite a few students here. How many don't want to be in school again ever? If you had, watch this. If you had the same mentality about school and your studies, As you do about your mentality about church attendance, what would your grades look like? Last one. If you ate food and drank water with the same frequency you attend church, what would your body and your health look like? How many of these are some valid questions? Now, here's the thing as I close. Don't be surprised is if I'm talking this morning, you're lacking in one of these areas. Or don't be surprised if you're realizing, man, he's talking about me. Because God's talking about all of us. Even if you're here and you come to every service, the doors are open. And you come to every activity we have, you can still do better. When it comes to God, you can never do too much. You are never going to hear God say, hey, stop working for me. Stop serving me. You're too busy for me. Go go take a vacation from me. God's not going to do that. He he wants you to be in his house. He wants you to be involved in the things of God. Amen? Now, if you feel that way, later on in your time, you can look at the book of Revelations 2 and 3. I don't want you to go there for now, for time. If you're taking notes, you can go read the church letter from John to the churches. And... How many know that God didn't write anything in the Bible by accident? As he's writing these things, watch. As he's writing these things, he says in Revelations 2 and 3, he begins to talk to seven churches, seven different churches. And it's an amazing thing when you begin to read those seven churches that out of seven churches, all real churches that existed with people, with buildings, just like today, functioning as a church, only two out of seven churches were in good standing with God. Two out of seven. Probably a really accurate number for today. Probably hasn't changed. Why? Because people don't change. Right. Amen? We're the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we don't change, we're the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many want to change? Amen. Amen? How many want to do better? Amen. And give God his glory and his praise. Amen? And, and live a life worthy of the blood he shed on the cross for us. He says to the church of, of Ephesus, they've lost their first love. They had fallen away from their first love. They had backslidden and, and forgot what there was to be in love. Pergamos, the church of Pergamos, was a compromising church full of false doctrines. They'd allow any old thing to come in and no one would say, no, that's not right. They'd just let it come in and they'd just believe it. The Th- Th- Thyatira, uh, Thyatira church was a corrupt church. Had a spirit of Jezebel. Were sexually immoral. Had all kinds of things going on. Sardis, the church of Sardis, was a dead church, the Bible says. That means there was no spirit in it. How many are thankful when you come into church, there's a spirit here? That's God's presence, amen? And you can feel it. We don't go by feeling, but I sure do love to feel the presence of God. And the reason is because we're coming in with a heart that's pure and loving the Lord, and we want to see God move. Amen. I I know God's presence is in this place. The last one was the loudiest saying church. They were the lukewarm church. They weren't neither hot nor cold. But good picture probably of today's churches right there that I just read. And isn't that a saying? That he's talking about the church. Why? Because unfortunately and fortunately, God chose us. Can you say amen? Fortunately and unfortunately, God chooses to use people. So you can think about this. Man, people go, man, I don't like my church. I don't like this. I don't like that. What are you doing about it? What are you doing to make your church the best church it is? It could be. Amen? What if the church didn't exist at all? What if the church was like you? What would the church look like? These are things to think about this morning. As the musicians come, I want to give you one more thought. And I kind of said it a second ago. Is there enough evidence this morning to be convicted of being a Christian in your life? Is there enough surrounding evidence? You know, as I thought about that alcoholic or a drug addict or anybody who has any kind of addiction, they do what they do as much as they can. When they can and how they can and where they can at any cost they can. That's the kind of spirit we should have as believers. We should be doing God's business at any cost, at any time, anywhere, and in any way we can. Because he's such a good God. I want you to think about this this morning. What if the church didn't exist? What if the church was a representative of me? Maybe there's some things I need to change. Maybe I need to work on my prayer life so the church would be a praying church maybe I need to work on my commitment so that the church would be a committed church because the church around you right now, the person sitting on your left and on your right they need you they need you to be a church they need to see you we don't want to see you this morning and not see you again for a month we don't want to see you this morning and not ever see you again For you, for those that are visiting this morning for those that are haven't been here for a while, or just you're looking, you're searching. Let me tell you something. I've seen people's lives changed totally and miraculously. God can change your life this morning. As we sang in that worship song, nothing is impossible for God. Jesus already paid the price for your sins. Jesus already died and shed his blood for your healing this morning. He already shed his blood for your marriage this morning. But maybe in your life you're saying, why aren't things working out right? Maybe God is saying, maybe your commitment to me is a reflection of your marriage, of your job, of the way you live your life. Maybe God says, if you get back to the statutes, the commandments, and the judgments that I gave you, which was to be in the house of the Lord and lay them on your heart and and tie them up inside of your life. And it, it even says there in Deuteronomy, and put them on like the frontlets between your eyes. That means there was something they wore on their head that showed that they were Jewish. Don't be a Christian that walks out of here this morning and goes and takes your Christian mask off and puts it on the shelf till next time you come. Be who you are outside who you are in here. Amen. Be who you are here at work. Be who you are at school. Don't be a different, don't be a chameleon and be like the people you get around at school. Won't you be the person leading? will not you be the person making a difference? Why not you be the person that says, "I'm as for me and my house, we're going to church. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be in God's house. He's going to be a priority. He's going to be a commitment. And we're going to see God move in our lives this morning. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these people here this morning. We thank you for your presence. And God, you know my heart this morning. I'm not condemning people. I'm challenging them as you've challenged me. Lord, I'm I'm trying to be a vessel this morning to make these people understand, God, how important church is, how important committing to the house is, how important it is to be in in your house every time we have a chance and to to be guilty of that association, God, in a good way that I am a Christian, that I am a believer, that I am who they say I am, that I am who you say I am, Father. Lord, many of us here this morning don't know who we are because we don't truly know you. We're like the people in the book of Deuteronomy. The kids haven't seen. Has this generation seen a move of God? Will this generation see a move of God? I believe we will. But it's going to take you and me committing to the Lord and His house and His functions and His His deals and His services and His outreaches and everything that that the church does to bring glory to the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place, I want you to know something this morning. If you don't get anything else out of this service, I want you to know that God loves you more than any human being could ever love you. And he will not fail you as people in your life have failed you. He's real. He's more real than that person sitting on your left or your right. And he wants to have a relationship with you this morning. How many all over this place, from front to back and side to side, would be honest with God this morning? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody is looking around. This is between you and God. You'd say, Pastor, if I, if I died today and breathed my last breath, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I want you to know this morning that the Bible says you can know. The Bible says you can be sure where you'll spend eternity. And I want you to know this morning as you're listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you through my voice that where we spend eternity is our option. Whether or not we spend eternity is not. We will live forever. The Bible says it. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Hebrews 9.27 says it's established unto man wants to die and then comes judgment how will you stand before God this morning who will be your lawyer this morning as you stand guilty of, a, as, of being a sinner as Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there's a death penalty over your life this morning because you're human the wages of sin is death the Bible says but The gift of God is eternal life. Today, you can be saved. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone, how many sins you've committed. The Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. And all over this place, from front to back and side to side, the Bible says, now is your moment. Today is the day of salvation for your life tomorrow is not promised how many would say that's me pastor would you pray for me would you just put your hand up and put it right back down I want to pray for you this morning I see your hand God bless you how many more I see your hand I see your hand God bless you how many more I see your hand God bless you I don't know Jesus but I want to oh I got some good news for you the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head he knows everything about you and that might be scary but I want you to know that the sins they can be forgiven this morning he doesn't want to look at your sins he wants to look at the purpose he has for your life he wants to look at the plan he has for your life he says in Jeremiah 29 11, he has good thoughts about you thoughts of an expected end thoughts of peace how many more this morning I believe there's some more people here that if today was your last day you wouldn't be ready but you can be you just say please pray for me pastor just put your hand up put it back down I see your hand God bless you I see your hand God bless you let's stand to our feet this morning all over this place and please stay reverent for a moment this is the most important part of the service this is where there's a battle going on right now between your spirit and your flesh between God and the enemy between the angels of of God and the demons of darkness trying to tell you that ain't real. I'm trying and tell you, that's just a decision. You think your light, you think your mess-ups can be forgiven from a simple prayer? That's all the stuff that's going through your head right now. And I want to tell you that the devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies. He hates you. Yes, I use the word hate, hates you. I could never explain to you how much he hates you. He's not trying to come in and have tea with you. He wants to kill you, the Bible says. He hates your guts. And he wants you to spend eternity with him in hell. That's where he wants you to be. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. About a month ago, we had a lady in our home church, 29 years old. There's a bunch of you in here that are younger than 29 or around that age. 29 years old, went to take a nap, and never woke up. 29. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. We take this moment very seriously. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now before we pray. You're going to make the best decision you've ever made in your life and you're going to make the hardest decision you've ever made in your life. Serving God isn't easy. Some people say, man, serving God is for weak people. Yeah, right. Weak people are the ones that don't need God, think they don't need God. Serving God is harder than anything you'll ever do in your life because you've got to make a decision every day to get up and say, God, I choose you. I choose life. Sinning's easy. Sinning doesn't take any practice. It doesn't take any planning. It's definitely not hard. It takes a real man and a real woman to say, I serve Jesus. I live for Jesus. I'm going to commit to Jesus. It takes a real man and a real woman and a real teenager this morning. If you raise your hand this morning, I want to ask you to do one more thing. I want to to ask you to make it public are you going to put me on the spot? no, God is because he says if you confess me before man I'll confess you before my father that's in heaven if you deny me before man I'll deny you before my father if you can't I'm going to give you a simple statement if you can't make a statement here in church with people who are here for the same reason you'll never make it out there at work you'll never make it at school These are people who are believing in you. These are people who are here for you. We're all on the same team. So if you raised your hand this morning, we're going to sing a song. And as they begin to sing a song, I want you to do one more thing. If you raised your hand and you meant it, if you didn't mean it, don't come. But if you meant it and you're ready to change your life, you're ready to make a commitment to God. You're ready to begin to say, God, I'm tired of playing games. Today's my day. You're speaking to me. Because I promise you, these aren't my words. God spoke to you this morning. It's God. God. As we begin to sing, I want you to step out of your seat to the nearest aisle. Many hands go up this morning. And as you begin to come, as you step out, I want want, want to pray for you this morning, right here at this altar. Would you just come right now? Don't wait for somebody else. Don't wait for someone else to to come out. Come yourself. Just step out right now, all over this place. Amen, there's a bold person. Come on, there was many hands. Come on. Come on, you raise your hand. Don't go, you'll be ashamed. Come on now. Ask the person around you. Did you raise your hand? I'll go with you. I'll go with you this morning. Come on. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. Make a public confession this morning. Come on, church, let's pray for them this morning. Lord, oh, we ask you to touch these hearts this morning. Come on, don't be ashamed. Many hands went up. Oh, I need you this morning, Lord. I need you this morning, God. Thank you, Lord. There's amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Miss Judy, would you stand behind her, please? Amen. I want everybody to feel like somebody's behind them supporting. Amen. There's another one. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. to sing that in just a second I want want to just we just got done doing the judgment play and it's so real to us because you know sometimes it can feel like church is just church this here God established church to be a picture of heaven without the imperfections he wants us to have heaven on earth when we come together like this and we worship and we praise God together we're bringing all of our imperfections all of our carnality into a place and killing it together and lifting up holy hands to a living God. And I'm telling you right now, we clapped and we shouted and we got excited and I hope you did. If you didn't get excited for someone to come into the Lord, you need to be up here. Because there's nothing more exciting in the world than people getting saved and giving their lives to Jesus. But the Bible says that right now when you just came down and made that choice, that, it, that a, f- a party is going on in heaven the angels are rejoicing they're shouting they're saying thank God thank you Lord that they came amen and we're going to pray a prayer that seems very simple but it's very real because Romans 10 the Bible says if you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved this is not about you being a good enough person It's about putting your faith in what Jesus did for our imperfect life. He paid the price. He came and did what priests couldn't do. What even the best people in the world could never do. They could never, ever live in right life. Even if you try your hardest, we fail. And he came and died for you this morning. And this morning we're going to say, Lord, I put my faith in what you did on the cross. And the Bible says, not me, the Bible says, your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. And everything you've ever done before this morning will be wiped away. Every sin, it'll be like looking at a, at a book that's blank. That ought to be enough to get you excited this morning. doesn't matter if you're a murderer or a rapist. doesn't matter if you're the worst person in the world. There's nothing you can do that Jesus can't forgive. That's the gospel.